Well, let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29, please. In your Bibles, chapter number 29. It's good to come together in midweek and praise the Lord together. Amen. Proverbs 29. Notice verse 10. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. Let's pray. Father in heaven, our gracious God, we do come before you tonight and we do thank you for the privilege it is to praise you in the congregation of the saints. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together and lift up our voices to you unashamedly. We thank you for the honor it is to be under your word. We ask and pray tonight that you would get a hold of us, that you'd continue, Lord, to minister to us clearly and plainly and effectively. Help us to always be sensitive to your word and your uh, your spirit as you minister to us through the pages of this book. We pray that we would be, uh, Lord, uh, encouraged and strengthened to go and do, uh, Lord, what you press upon us to do. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be in these last days. We thank you for the honour and the privilege it is to intercede on behalf of others. We ask and pray tonight that you'd help us do that effectively. Help us to be selfless in our uh, disposition and praying fervently, uh, Lord, with heart, and not just going through the motions. Uh, Father, protect us from this. Help us tonight, I pray. Strengthen us uh, with your spirit, by your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a reason why God has put this proverb here. I mean, you think it to be a little strange that the Lord gives us some profound facts or a profound behavior regarding some people, he makes it clear and he says that the bloodthirsty hate the upright. I mean, uh, what we have to do is stop and think about this is God's wisdom given to us, but he's given us some information that is throughout the scriptures that we see very clearly the disposition of those that hate uh, the upright. Who's the upright? Well, it's those that believe on the Lord, those that trust God, those that follow his ways. And so who's the bloodthirsty? Well, if you look at verse 7, it's the wicked. Verse 8, it's the scornful. Verse 9, it's the foolish. The verse 13, it's the deceitful. And of course, verse 10, it's the hateful. They're the bloodthirsty. As the servants of the Lord, we're told several times throughout the scriptures that we'll be hated. Now, I know that's not something to boast in, to have people hate you, but it's the reality for the upright. We see it. We see it very clearly, not only uh, spoken uh, as prophecy, but also we see it happen to some people in the scriptures. Um, and there's reasons for that. There's reasons why the righteous and the upright are hated. And I'm going to point out a few things. First of all, it's out of jealousy and envy. Uh, I mean, if we'd go back to Genesis, we see Cain and Abel right there in the beginning. That Cain envied his brother Abel, and so therefore he hated him and killed him. Uh, we see it with Saul, King Saul and David. 
And uh, we see it with the religious rulers regarding the Lord Jesus. And, and Pilate knew that they delivered him up because of envy. But we also see it with Joseph and his brothers. Go to Genesis 37. Joseph and his brothers. We see all throughout Scripture. Even towards the end in Revelation, we see the Antichrist hating upon the saints of God and wanting to kill them. Okay, I mean, that's just in intriguing in itself. But we, we know and understand that this comes from the work of the devil and the uh, simply characteristics of the devil. He's wicked, he's scornful, he's foolish, he's deceitful, he's hateful. But anyone that follows his pernicious ways just ends up being like him. And so we know that Cain was one of them. But even the symptoms of the flesh are characterized by this. Have a look at verse 3 in Genesis 37. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Look at verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his uh, it, his brethren. Now, what, what was the dream? Can you, anyone remember that God was going to lift him up? He's going to bring him up, really. His dream meant that he's going to be lifted up and, and people are going to bow to him. Now, that was just his dream. Notice what the Bible says. And they hated him, yet what? The more. And so we see that people or the upright will be hated because of jealousy or envy. But also we see it, number two, because of the truth. We're going to linger here for a little while. The truth, preaching the truth or sharing the truth. I think this is one of the biggest ones that you would find. Okay, Amos 5.10 says, They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that, speak, that speaketh uprightly. Now we're talking about someone that's in the public forum. Someone being in the gate there in the proximity of Jerusalem is where the talk would, would happen, you know, where they'll gather together and talk. It would all, almost be like an open-air conversation. People were here, and you've got the prophets doing that. They'll come and they'll preach and uh, proclaim, thus saith the Lord, and every single one of them, for the most part, will be hated for it. Remember, uh, King Ahab hated Micaiah for speaking the truth. He hated him. He hated him because he always spoke truth and always contradicted or went against what Ahab wanted. And so we see this is something, no doubt, uh, that is uh, rippled throughout the beginning of time, even to the time of Christ, and even now, and what will come. I want you to see John 7 in your Bibles. And look at verse 7. Notice what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, the world cannot hate you. So what do you mean? Later on, Jesus tells them that the world will hate you. Well, the, apart from Jesus, okay? Apart from Jesus, the world cannot hate you. For the most part, the world will love you if you weren't a follower of Christ. It's because you're a follower of Christ and it's because you speak up and speak out for him. It's because that precious name perhaps is even printed on your shirt that people roll their eyes, look at you, scoff, it's because of that name. It's because of him. It's always been all because of him. Always. So he says very clearly that 
the world cannot hate you, but me, it hateth. Me, it hateth. Why? Because I testify of it, that the works thereof are what? There it is. I mean, who wants to be, you know, the goody two-shoes that goes around and completely, you know, shines the light on evil and, and continues to expose the darkness? That's why some people don't want to come in the light. That's why people scatter when you talk about the truth and you lift up your voice about the Lord or the things of God. They're like cockroaches. When you, when you flick on the light in the dark place, the cockroaches scatter. Or they get, you know, some people get angry or they get hateful. And so the world will not hate us if we lived like them. It's because we live like Christ and we speak for him is the reason why we are hated. Go to 1 John 1. Or sorry, 1 John 3. And I want you to see verse 1. Remember, in God's wisdom, he, he says it very clearly, the bloodthirsty hates the upright. Why did he say that? There's a reason why. I mean, you're reading all these Proverbs and there's instructions and there's different things. But now here's a profound fact throughout history and in the future that the upright will always be hated. And Jesus repeats this time and time again. And so does the word of God. First John 3, 1, behold, what manner of love the Father have bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not. Why? Because it knew him not. People don't recognize you. They don't befriend you. For the most part, our society hates Christians. True Christians, by the way. Not the compromising Christians. Not the Christians that compromise with the world, like the, Catholic, like the Pope and the Catholics and some of the charismatic movements now. Not those that are trying to win the world by you know, compromising. No. We're talking about the true Christian that will stand up and speak out against sodomites and, and wickedness and fornication and things that are rampant, idolatry, things that are wrong. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 10. Have a look at that. Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10. Look at verse 25. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10, verse 25. It is enough for the disciples that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. So, you know, Jesus is calling for every Christian, every servant to be like him in the way they live, in the way they speak, the way they follow. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more should they call them of his household? I mean, think about that for a moment. The prince of devils, they called him. And how much more will they treat you? Why? Because of him. It's who you follow and who you speak up for and who you uh, simply represent. Look at Luke 6.22. Look at uh, Luke 6.22. You see it time and time again, especially the Lord marks it out time and time again, that this is a reality in the life of Christians. This is a reality in the life of those that walk uprightly. This is a reality of those that seek to, 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 to preach the truth. It's a reality. Blessed are ye when men shall what? Hate you. Think about that. Well, now we won't get to the blessed part. We'll do that later on. But think about this. Men will hate you. And when they separate you from their company, they'll shun you and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for whose sake? 
for, for Jesus' sake, the Son of Man's sake. Have a look at John 15. Look at John 15, verse 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. <laughs> and it's true. And he told them that very clearly. If the world hate you, if the world hate you. And you know what? It will hate you if you follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Hands down, you'll be hated. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the world, the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all things, or sorry, all these things which they do unto you for my sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I hadn't, he says this, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not, sorry, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had, it says this, if I had not done among them the works which other, uh, none other men did, they had, not, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. Look at verse 25. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now we know there's a cause. He's pre -pre he, he marks them out. He, he, he preaches the truth. He, he exposes their wickedness. We know that. But what it means here is that he had done nothing wrong. There was no reason to be hated. He never hurt anybody. He never hated anybody. He loved everybody, but he told the truth. And by the way, Jesus, I've said this before and I'll say it again, wasn't crucified because he fed the 5,000, nor was he crucified because of, you know, raising the dead or, uh, you know, basically causing the blind to see. But rather he was crucified because he testified of the truth. Now, I want you to see this. Um, it is written, going back to the Old Testament scriptures, they hated me without a cause. We find it throughout the Psalms, Psalm 25, if you will. And we see it like a double reference that the psalmist is also going through what his Lord is going through. And so it's like a double reference. But it alludes more to him that will come. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 25, Psalm 25, verse 19. He says, Consider my enemies... For they are many, and they hate me with a cruel hatred. He's got many enemies, and they hate him with a cruel hatred. Look at Psalm 35, verse 19. Let not them that are my enemies wrongfully rejoice over me, neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a what? Without a cause. Look at, look at Psalm 38, verse 19. But my enemies are lively, and they are strong, and they hate me wrongfully. 
and sorry, and they that hate me wrongfully are what? Multiplied. Look at Psalm 41. Look at verse 7. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. Look at Psalm 69. Look at verse 4. Now, if you know anything about the psalmist, all you have to read is Psalm 119 and you see how much he loved the Word of God. And he wasn't ashamed of the Word of God. And he spoke up. And he, and, he, and he continued to live out the word of God. Look at Psalm 69 verse 4. They that hate me without a cause, look at this, are more than the hairs of my head. Wow. They that would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I resorted, restored, sorry, that which I took not away. Now, this is the same disposition that John the Baptist went through. Why was John the Baptist hated? As a matter of fact, I'll take it a step further. Why was John the Baptist's head cut off? Why was it cut off? That's right. No, they didn't like it. Having a great opportunity to have half of a, half of a kingdom, if you will, would rather a man's head on a platter. Unbelievable. Now, how much hatred was in that person's heart? Cruel hatred. And you know what? There are many people out there that are just like that. If God would just, you know, let them have their way, we'd be all finished. And you know what, brethren? One day that will take place. One day when the Antichrist will come into power, he's going to have his way. He's going to have his way in the full wrath of that Antichrist will unleash upon Christians. We're, we're just getting a little taste, not even, of what will take place in the future. Why did they stone Stephen? I mean, he gave him a discord, a history course. But then right at the end, he rebuked them. And that's when they gnashed their teeth. He says, you're just like your fathers. You resist the Holy Ghost, just like your fathers resist. So do ye. And off with his, you know... See you later. He's live. Look at Luke 6, verse 26. Luke 6, verse 26. Now, we know and understand those that preach the gospel will face more persecution than the average Christian. That goes without saying. The more you open your mouth, the more trouble you get into. The more you preach the truth, the more trouble you get into. We know that. Okay. But look at Luke, Luke 6, verse 26. Woe unto you, when all men, emphasis all men, shall speak well of you. All men. There'll be some, and you know, a few far and far in, in between that will speak. It's, it's fine. But what he's emphasizing here, that the majority of men will hate you as a Christian. They don't want to be in your company. They don't want to be your friend. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to hang around. I mean, why do you want to hang around with someone that's always speaking upright and righteous and hating wickedness and exposing error? I mean, you're no fun. You're just too serious. Why why does someone want to hang out with someone that's too serious and just intense all the time? Well, maybe you should hang around with the Lord Jesus Christ and see the life that he lived and you see 
I mean, he, they left him for dead right at the end. And people normally will do that when they see something take place in your life. You know, your life is in danger. It's about to be taken away. They don't want to be identified with you. You, you know, being put, put in prison with you, although you'll be willing to go to prison. But when it comes down to the crunch, what happened to them? They buckled. Well, by the way, this was pre-Pentecost. The comfort had come. They were willing to die for the Lord. But uh, it says... So, so, look, for so did they fathers. He says, well, to you, when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. So here we have the Jewish nation embrace false prophets than the prophets of God that were speaking truth in their day. They spoke well of them. Think about that for a moment. They loved them. Mate, those five, I'll tell you, those false prophets would have been A1 on social media today. Mate, they would have got all the likes and beautiful comments and praises. Oh, they would have loved it. You know. So when you speak the truth, you're a troublemaker. When you speak the truth, you're deemed as someone that causes division. Although you're not. Uh, Jesus said that he will bring a sword. What's that sword represent? Truth. truth. It's truth. It's, it, it, it is what separates people, truth, from error. Okay, and, and we have a lot of people in the world today don't want to hear the truth. Don't want to know the truth. They'd rather believe lies. They'd rather, you know, gravitate to things that are not true than have the light of God's word continuing to shine in their hearts and around them. I just don't want it. It's the majority of the world. And for those that do, those that stand out and shine will be hated. It's a fact. All right, what's the third one? And this is the last one. Why, why would we be hated? Not only uh, because of the truth, but also the life that you live as a believer. Go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. What's well, not only intimidating, but they, people think that you're better than them. You don't go to certain places, drink certain things, yeah. listen to certain things, watch certain things. They, they automatically are an inferior. Probably intimidated or threatened, but you know, they, they just have a misconception about what God's perhaps doing in your life. They, the, the most common one is you're a cult leader or you're a cultish that's the most common one. They don't even know you. That you're a cult. You're in a cult. Yeah. Yeah. But look at Psalm 37. Look at verse 12. Well, you know, if they're labeling you as a cult, cultish or cult leader, who runs cults? The devil. It's the same accusation that they, they said to Jesus. You're the prince of the devils. How much more you? And you know what? I'm not surprised that the devil runs you know, these cults and tries to label the Christian that loves the Lord to be one of them. You see what I'm saying? If you love the Lord and you want to follow the Lord and you want to live upright and godly, mate, and you have some sort of convictions and standards, you must be in a cult. But they don't know that you love the Lord. They don't see your life. They don't see what you do behind closed doors. You see? But they get that image, see, from the from the true cults. So they put you in the same basket. Yeah. 
And it's sad. They speak evil about you. Want to call you cultish as if you're part of a, uh, you know, satanic uh, fellowship. But look at verse 12 of Psalm 37. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword of Benny's bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of a what? Lifestyle. See, because your lifestyle is upright and the decision you make, even here, King David, the decisions that he makes that are upright, we, we don't want that. We don't want a lifestyle that is holy and godly and sober and righteous. And so people persecute you for the way you live. Again, they're inferior of it. Look at, verse, look at Psalm 38, ne next chapter. Look at verse 18. Psalm 38, look at verse 18. For I will declare my iniquity. I'll be sorry for my sin. By the way, that's one thing that the wicked does not do. That's the difference, by the, by the way, between the upright and the righteous. That the upright, like David, is able to confess his sin before God, even when it was so heinous. He broke and he confessed it and he forsook it. Yes, there was consequences. But that's the difference between the upright and the one that doesn't care. They mock at sin. He says, I will declare my iniquity. I'll, I'll be sorry for my sin. But my enemies are lively. They are strong and they uh, hate, me wrong, uh, hate me wrongfully. Are multi and they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. Look at verse 20. We'll miss this one, but we'll add it here. They also that render, render evil for good are my adversaries. Why? Because I follow the thing that good is. Yeah. It's amazing to see today how people can gaslight you to turn your good to evil. It's amazing. And they're evil to good. Mate, it is that subtle. It is that crafty that it's from the pits of hell. I mean, I, I don't even know how they even come up with it. How they even think it. But they're planning and they're plotting. You know, those that are in high places. There are many people deceived. I mean, there's two kinds of people. There are people that are deceived, deceiving, but there are those that are what they're doing. They might be deceived by the devil, but they are planning and plotting and they, they, they know exactly what they're doing. Jesus said it very clearly that blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. Go to, go to 2 Timothy 3. Look what Paul said. Se 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. Look at verse 10. Paul says to Timothy... But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Look at this, persecutions. You know what Paul's saying to Timothy? You know my life. You know how I'm constantly persecuted. 
Paul was the scum of the earth in his day. He was a troublemaker in the eyes of those that didn't care about the truth. My afflictions, he says, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. In other words, he, he didn't die. His time wasn't yet. But then he says, yea, and all that live what? All that live godly in Christ Jesus, in Christ, shall suffer persecution. But what, what's, what's the opposite is true. But evil men and seducers in verse 13 shall wax what? Worse and what? Worse. Deceiving and being deceived. And that's what we see today. I mean, can you imagine Paul said that 2000 years, about 2,000 years ago? How much evil people do we have in our day today? Uh, we, want, we went out on Saturday to this Australia Day. We thought, we looked it up and there's gonna, there was food and all the rest of it. We thought, what, a, what a great opportunity where the people are to hand out gospel tracts. I parked right in front, thinking that we're just going to reach people and, and talk to them about the things of God. And, and, um, and it turned out to be not an Australian day, but an invasion day. They're celebrating invasion day. And, and there are these people that are just against, you know, well, I didn't really know that until we got there. It was a bit weird. It was a weird sense... But we thought, you know what, they're people, they need the gospel. Not only that, there are people that are among them that are deceived. And we didn't last long. As a matter of fact, a few people picked on Dylan more than anybody. They tried to burn him with a cigarette at first and then they poured water all over him. I actually posted that one on social media where, where you know, the man poured water at him and one person replied and he wasn't, he wasn't, um, he, he, he added a comment, but he wasn't, a heckler or anything like that. He's actually a good Christian. But he said this when he saw Dylan being, you know, had water poured all over him. He says, I'll take water in my lap and reveling over burning at the stake any day. We have but light persecution today compared to our brethren in the past. And I said, I agree. I replied to him. I said, yeah, I agree. But you're hard-pressed to find any kind of persecution for the gospel in our country, period. In the eyes of some professing Christians, it is almost a sin to be persecuted. As a matter of fact, some blame you for disturbing the peace. That's the day we live in. The day we live in, if, that, if you get persecuted, you must have done something wrong. You know what? The police saw that. Now, we don't, we're not against the blind police. But the police deemed us to be the troublemakers. But you know what's worse? When Christians, professing Christians, side with the world when persecution comes for the sake of the gospel. It's crazy. It is absolutely, you know, heart-wrenching. You know, I wanted, you know what I wanted to do after that? I wanted to go home and never go out soul winning again. After what took place over there, you say it was light, it wasn't burning at the stake. Yeah, I got it, I understand that. But it was ugly. It was terrible. You know, that's why people don't want to, you know, push the limit, speak up and speak out. Because as soon as they get a little bit persecution, they're made, they're made 
to feel like they're the wrong. They've done something wrong. Their mouth shuts. They go hide in a corner. I felt like hiding somewhere under a bushel. Big enough for me. Under a bed. Honestly, I just wanted to go home and not go out again. That's how I felt, being honest with you. As light as it was, as light as it was just, just didn't want it. It was disgusting, especially seeing the, the apathy of the, of the police. But then the next day, I thought, no. I still felt like that, didn't want to go. But I'm going, despite my feelings, I'm going to go. Why? Because blessed are you that are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you. God deems it to be a blessing. Though the professing Christians looks at us and says, oh, look at you, troublemaker, curse, angry man. Look, you're just causing trouble wherever you go. God says, no, you're blessed, my son. Keep speaking out. Keep speaking up. Go out unashamed. Follow your saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And many, you get it time and time again from the world. But it's sad when you get it from professing Christians. I want you to see what in 1 John 3, notice what the Bible says there. Not only do they persecute you for what you say, but they persecute you for how you live. How you love God. How you worship God. How you put God first. How you're not willing to compromise. Look at verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, who what? Slew his brother. And wherefore, and, and wherefore slew he him? Because what? His own works were evil and his brother's what? Righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Marvel not. Because Cain is characterized as someone as worldly of the world. Yes, he envied his brother. Why? Because his works were righteous. Well, he was just living by faith. He wasn't there to compare himself with Cain. I'm just trying to serve the Lord. Trying to love the Lord as best as I can. Hey, won't you get on board? Won't you love the Lord as best as you can instead of, you know, wanting to kill your brother? That's the problem that we have today. People siding with the world. It's terrible. So what do we do in cases that we see the bloodthirsty in action? What do we do? Well, have a look at the second part of that verse in Proverbs 29, 10. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. Now, there are a few considerations about what that means, that the second part, the first is obvious. But the conjunction, is it talking about the just seeks the soul of the bloodthirsty or the just seeks the soul of the upright? Well, let's look at it as a, uh, 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 both. The just seeks the soul of the upright, perhaps to deliver him or to comfort him or to encourage him. We have that example with Jonathan and David. When Jonathan found out that his father was going to get David, Jonathan told David. Uh, in 1 Samuel 19 too, but Jonathan's, uh, Saul's son delighted much in David and Jonathan told David saying Saul my father seeketh to kill thee now therefore I pray thee take heed to thyself until the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself 
So if we were to interpret it this way, then we would say that the first thing to do is I ask your brothers for prayer. Tell somebody. You know, you feel like you're getting persecuted. Ask. Seek. You know, uh, maybe you have witnessed your brother being persecuted. Go be an encourager. Comfort him. I don't know. Look, I know it's just being water poured on the brother, but listen, that's humiliating. Especially when people are mocking. People mocking. There was not even one person that from the crowd that came for his defense. Not one. I was trying to get the crowd, and you know, just to speak up or something, but no, just stunned mullets and laughing and mocking. I just said to Dylan, I said, Dylan, you... Good on you for not retaliating. Good on you. Second of all, what do you do when you're faced with bloodthirsty people? Call on the Lord. The psalmist did it every time. Go to Psalm thirty, uh, Psalm seventy-one. He did it all the time. Paul did it, and you know what Paul said? The Lord delivered me from them because it wasn't his time. And so when your life's threatened, no matter how small or how great it is, call on the Lord. Look at verse 4. Psalm 71 verse 4. He says, Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel men. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. Look at verse 7. I am a wonder unto many. That's what they thought about John the Baptist. Something different about that man. What he eats and what he wears, but more of what he says. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. And number three, we've got to remember what you have in the Lord. Blessed are you that are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look at Psalm 34 verse 21. <clears throat> Psalm 34 verse 21. What do we do when the bloodthirsty are in action? When you're the subject of their persecution. Remember what you have in the Lord. Look at verse 21 of Psalm 34. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be what? Desolate. Verse 22. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be what? Desolate. Number four. Remember, you get the share in the sufferings of Christ. Again, how minute it is. Don't undermine persecution in any form because one day it might be intensified. But I'll tell you something. None, none of them ever sought for it. The only thing that they were rejoicing over was that they got the opportunity to, to, to basically share in the sufferings of Christ. But no one ever went looking for persecution. No one ever went saying, oh, I'm going to go and share with the sufferings of Christ. Who can I provoke today? No, no. Their mindset was the truth and speaking the truth and what came out of it was persecution. 
If, if you ever go out there to say, oh, I'm going to go and you know, suffer for the Lord, so I'm going to go provoke them with the gospel. No, don't do that. That's wrong. It's bad motive. <clears throat> the Bible says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. The second consideration of Proverbs 29 verse 10, and this is perhaps what I gravitated to. We had it as a devotion this morning before I read any commentary. I think Matthew Henry ascribes to this. But my mind went, but the just seek his soul for the bloodthirsty. My mind went, hey, we're here for you. We, 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 want, we, want, we take no pleasure at the death of the wicked. We want to see him saved. We want to see him turn. We want to see him get right. You seek, your, you seek my soul to kill it. I seek your soul to save it. I'm for peace. You're for war. And Jesus says very clearly to pray for your enemies. Pray for your persecutors. So what do you do? Well, you withdraw and you pray for them. For every single hater out there, you see their faces Pray for them. So what do you pray? I mean, how do you pray? What do you pray for? Pray that they'll come to the truth. Pray that they'll see their evil. Yes. Pray that God, there'll be a holy hush. God, please hinder their, hinder their, uh, their plans and purposes. I could pray that. I pray that the, the stone that is for me, that is the, 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 the trap or the... Their plans and plotting, may it turn back on them. But when it does, put them in fear. Let them remember the Lord. Let, let, that, let that judgment humble them. Yeah. I remember when, when Job prayed for his friends. It was when Job prayed for his friends. It was supposed to be their friend. They persecuted him through and through. Falsely accused him through and through. And when he prayed for them, that is when God turned the captivity of Job. He turned it around and he blessed him doubly. When you can pray for your enemies and your haters, your persecutors, you have the heart of God. Because the Lord says, as your heavenly father is perfect, in this area, you be perfect. And then lastly, what do you do when you're surrounded by bloodthirsty men, haters, deceivers? Go to Hebrews 12. Look at verse 2. Hebrews 12, look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, before the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider him. If anybody, if anybody was hated, more than anyone in this world, it was our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Are you hated because of the truth? Are you hated because you live upright and you want to follow the Lord, love the Lord, do all that you can to honour and worship the Lord by faith? Blessed are you. God says you're blessed. Yeah. And we look at the Lord and he faced this harsh, unjust dealings more than anybody. And we submit under, by faith, looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith, that he may bring us through all the way to the end. Lest any bitterness spring up in our hearts. Any fear that will cause us to cower. Because those things will render us useless. You know, but another proverb says, you know, when you see your enemy fall, don't rejoice. Don't rejoice. Don't have the attitude of their attitude. It's an ugly place to be. Justice, righteous, speak out. Yes, expose. Absolutely. You've got a voice. Use it. It's almost like you dare not say anything. No, use it. You've got a voice. Speak up the truth. But the more you speak up, the more trouble you'll get yourself into. Mark it down. And may God give us the grace, by the way, when other devotions to know when to speak and when not to speak. It takes a lot of wisdom in certain, certain circumstances. If you see the Lord, the Lord spoke in certain times and certain times he was silent and just went out of their hands because it wasn't the time. May God give us the grace to continue. Amen. Amen. To speak out, speak up, to be a light and salt, not to be carrying or putting our light under a bushel to know how to respond when the bloodthirsty haters are surrounding us. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> the gracious God and heavenly father, we do come before you tonight. We thank you for these uh, profound truths, this wisdom, this, 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 this inevitable Lord that the bloodthirsty will hate us. We can't do anything about it. Unless we shut up, we don't do anything or say anything. We don't go out witnessing. But we're not going to do that, Lord. With your help, looking unto your Son. Lord, we want to continue. We, want to, we need to continue. Because, Father, in the midst of that darkness, there's some people that want to know. There are people that want to hear. And so I ask and pray that you would continue to help us shine the light of truth to the hearts of people and to continue to live the truth and not be ashamed. In Jesus' name, amen.